0: Look who is podcasting.
1: to me when i went and caught up with brett the other night yeah i got stung on the head by a bee oh shit really <laughs> yeah and then almost Aww. got and then literally well I got caught in my hair yeah because i think because like i got a bit of wax in there you know style on it yeah like, okay you know, like been cool
0: one of those people and what happened and then, Were you um, all right
1: yeah i was fine yeah i'm obviously not allergic to it i remember being stung by a bee when i was a kid so i would well, I didn't freak out too, too much because I was like, yeah, oh, nothing, I don't remember anything bad happening when I was a kid, so I should be fine.
0: Nothing got inflated or yeah. oversized. but uh, it got yeah. stuck in my
1: hand, so I just tried to help the bee get out, Yeah, but
0: in the process... it Scared it and it stung me. And then they die, right? They die and they after die. They sting. Yeah. And yeah. then
1: another bee must have been like its buddy. He was like, yeah. hey man, fuck off. Like, what are you doing to my mate? Yeah. And then came and tried to sting me again and got stuck in my hair again. And I'm like, oh my God, what is happening?
0: It got out. <laughs> so your hair was like a bee trap. Oh,
1: 100%. It was crazy. And That's then, pretty funny. And then, yeah. So anyway, I got stuck in the head by the bee. Of course, the problem with that is it's really hard to find the stinger, to get the stinger out. Cause oh, you're like trying to so
0: you got stung in the head.
1: In the head. Yeah, yeah, shit. I went not home like on the
0: hand trying to get them out or anything? No, there. no,
1: in the, on the head, yeah. Ouch. So I went home and I had to awkwardly look in a mirror and I found it. Found it? 15 minutes later or so, yeah.
0: Ooh, ouch.
1: And then, yeah, then ice pack and everything. So by like half an hour later, the swelling had gone down. It was all, all fine. But I was oh, like, cool. what a... <laughs> eventful. And then, of course, I'm like, you know me, I'm notorious, I think, among friends as being late. I'm uh, not usually most punctual person. Yeah. So, of course... I'm just like, man, Brett's probably thinking, Oh, here we go. Sure, you got stunned by a bee. That's <laughs> why you're like...
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh, so it didn't happen while you were out. It no, it pre... was happening while I was going to meet up with him. Wow. Yeah. Oh, no. I Poor was on bees.
1: time on everything, man. I was doing well that day.
0: And then bees. And then, and then... No. Not the bees. We're meant to protect the bees, Jimmy, not kill them. <laughs> <laughs> well,
1: that's what I was thinking. I'm like, The fact that there was two of them in a row, I'm like, what is this? Is this like... Mm. You know Hitchcock's of birds or something. Like, <laughs> is there like a bee uprising and they like getting revenge for all the damage we've this done?
0: This is this is Morris's the bees. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, uh, no. You you want to hear a gross story? Yeah, when I was please. a teenager during one summer, or yeah, it had to have been as a teenager. I was at the Puong swimming pool. Okay. And I remember just sitting on the edge of the pool, and I felt like a little nick on my knee. And um, but then next to me there was a dead bee. Okay. I was like, oh well, you know, maybe I got stung or whatever, yeah. but it didn't. I looked at my knee; there wasn't really much doing there, just a little bit of red markings. It was a bit itchy. I was like, ah, oh, doesn't looks fine. Mm-hmm. Um, over the years, that slowly developed into like a little raised bit, you know. And mm-hmm. one year, I was like, mm, I just sort of popped it like a pimple, and out came this little black stinger, huh. and I had to like visually go through. Like, oh my god! When did god. I get stung by a bee? And then I was remembering back, like, oh yeah, that time at the Puong Pool, and I looked down, and there was a dead bee kind of flapping around next to me. That was when my knee. So I probably had this stinger in my knee for like three years. Wow. Okay. It's a cool story, huh? Yeah. But I remember, like, being gobsmacked, like, holy shit, that was a long fucking time. <laughs> it is a long time. Though. That's anyway, I thought it would just, it's a bit Your would have just pushed it out by then. Well, it must have just gone in a bit deeper than I yeah. thought. And by the time it finally came up, I got to pop it, and I was like, oh, that was gross. Anyway. um... <laughs> Uh, maybe I'll cut that out. I'm not sure. (laughs) Fair enough. Anyway, should we get into it? We should. Yeah. So what are
1: we, I'm having trouble with my, uh, thing as always. Some mic issues. Um, yeah. What are we here for today, Tristan?
0: Uh, this is Look Who's Podcasting. We're doing our 80s run yeah uh, I'm oh yeah, I'm Tristan and I'm Jimmy should we keep introducing ourselves every episode or do we why just not? assume our listeners why not okay all right. I
1: mean, I know what you're saying yeah they probably will get used to our voices and yes yeah. but uh, just in case somebody checks in for the first time if you're a first episode, time listener, welcome yes welcome thank um, you
0: for coming in. <laughs> but thank yeah, you for
1: coming on board and listening
0: yeah thank we appreciate you uh this sort of for this season we're doing. Uh, We're going back to the 80s quite a bit, and on this episode, we are doing fantasy movies. So we're just going to sort of pick out some ones that we want to talk about, uh, maybe talk about fantasy movies in general. How do you feel about those 80s sort of fantasy movies? There's quite a bit to choose from when we loaded up a big list of titles. You know, I, I forgot how many you had to pick from from the eighties.
1: Totally, totally. And I think also there's a lot of adventure movies that probably yeah, are also spill fantasy. Into fantasy. Yeah, they have fantasy yeah. elements that so I think um so yeah. Uh yeah, there's a lot. Lots uh, of fantasy. a in lot the of great 80s. ones. I think there's a I think as kids of you know, we were both were born in the eighties. Yeah. I think for uh, our generation and similar years. Yeah. I grew up with a lot of these movies and have a lot of a fond attachment to oh my God, yeah. a lot of these movies and I think that plays a huge element I think there's a lot of movies that we will talk about and a lot of movies that were 80s fantasy movies that are worthwhile contenders to be somebody's best of oh you yeah. know I think everybody has a personal connection that could have a good reason to vouch for a, B, C, or D. Being There's going to be numerous top. titles that could... Yeah. That's right. You know, and I think, you know, whatever it might be, whether it's Labyrinth or whether it's, you know... Oh, like Dark like Crystal. Crystal Never Ending Story, Goonies, Willow, yeah. any of Jones movies, you know, so many of these movies, Beetlejuice, people have... Like oh, a, oh a fondness, mm. a you know, nostalgia.
0: So you're throwing Indiana Jones in the ring with these other ones too?
1: Absolutely, yeah. Adventure fantasy.
0: All right, there. Let's do it. Uh, I'm down. But yeah, revisiting some of these movies unlocked like deep-seated memories. I haven't seen some of these films for um, twenty five years. You mm-hmm. know, even longer. I mean, I'm thirty seven now, and am I thirty seven? What year <laughs> I think I'm 37 37 now right okay, and I haven't yeah. seen some of these movies since I was nine yeah, so 25 wow. plus years that I haven't seen some of them and yeah they really unlocked little bits and pieces I forgot how creative and imaginative some of these films were especially the Jim Henson ones yes definitely when I say the Jim Henson ones I'm really just talking about for me like from my memory Dark Crystal and, and Labyrinth. Labyrinth yeah yeah um You know, one thing I did want to point out with these movies is that, you know, when thinking about 80s movies in general for the fantasy genre, when you look at like the timeline, I was thinking like how Star Wars is probably one of the things that opens the floodgates. Mm. Even though it's a sci-fi, we think of it as a sci-fi, but, you know, and this is not an original thought at all, but it just has all those fantasy elements. Sure, You know, like um, the young hero off on a journey and it's got the wizard and Obi-Wan and the princess Slayer and the Mm -hmm. rogue Han Solo and the death stars, the castle, you know, and just how from star Wars in the late seventies on, you just get this mass of on massive, like, you know, fantasy films in the eighties.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely, man. I think you're absolutely right. I think that hero's journey, that, um, mono myth style of storytelling that star Wars did, so perfectly i remember you know my writing class in film school and yeah. it was like the class that we did the hero's journey it was we just did star wars that yeah. was the easiest way to be able to describe that archetype yeah. that style of uh narrative mm-hmm. is by just looking at star wars um so yeah i think but you're right i think that um uh, was 100 uh, percent influence on i mean obviously also george lucas himself he went on to make willow and not just indiana jones but also yeah. like movies like willow And he's, like,
0: producing Labyrinth, I think, as well. Exactly, He's got his hands in the fantasy pot a little bit. Um, Yeah.
1: But, yeah, I think you're absolutely right. I mean, I think in some ways that was actually a detriment to some of these movies. I Mm. found Dark Crystal, for example, a little too... I I loved it when I was a kid. A little Um, too dark? Well, no, no. I think the dark elements are great. More just in terms of when it comes to a hero's journey, at least for myself a lot of times the hero is the least interesting character mm-hmm. that it's usually the more interesting characters are the, uh, side characters. They're the ones that are a bit more defined. They're a bit more interesting. Yeah. Um, while the, you know, the main lead, the hero is kind of a, you know, the least interesting. It's more about the journey that they go on and the interactions they have of other characters and how that influences them rather than, yeah. um, rather than, you know, them themselves. Yeah. And so I found it super uh, noticeable when I was watching Dark Crystal is that Jen was just such a nothing character. Yeah. And it was so boring. And even the delivery was very, like... A bit of a blank slate. Yeah, 100% a blank yeah. slate. And that's fine. That's obviously, part of the reason you would create a character like that is to make it so that, you know, people, anybody, especially kids watching, they can all envision themselves as that hero. You know, They yeah. can all relate to that hero because it's such an open book. But it's also just kind of boring because there's yeah. nothing to it yeah. so it goes both ways and so watching it now i can never had that problem when i was a kid but now watching it i was just like oh he's just so boring There's just nothing yeah. to him and i felt it even more so than i did with something like luke skywalker who i you know i get it. at the same time luke is probably the least interesting character in star wars more han solo layer and so on they're yeah. the more interesting characters
0: um but just in dark fewer crystal, personality traits than the dark crystal one even more so, Even yeah, yeah.
1: I just found him really, really thin this time around, and uh, and then also the yeah. side characters weren't as as interesting either.
0: Do you so. know if the Dark Crystal did well in like in the box office and critically? Don't know. I didn't look that up either. I mean, it must have done well because he follows it up with Labyrinth, which he gets more Jim Henson gets more free range on that one. Should we talk about Labyrinth now as well? Sure, why not? I mean, while we're leading into it, you know, Labyrinth is when I rewatched. And uh, just recently, and I hadn't seen it for a long time, like I was saying, yeah. and I had just met my memory of it as a kid was just some of the um, set pieces, mm-hmm. like the talking stone walls that get told to shut up and like, oh, we just want to do our job. Yeah. Like, all right, then do it, but I'm not going to listen to you. <laughs> yeah. um, and all those sorts of bits and pieces. But I really enjoyed it coming yeah, back cool. to it all these years later because I picked up on more of the, you know, the subtext. And when you were saying before about in the Dark Crystal, how the main character, Jen, is a blank slate, not that interesting. I think it's quite the opposite here where Mm. the main character isn't perfect. They start off the film as being asked to babysit their little toddler brother um, and they just have a big whinge. They're being super melodramatic. You know, they'd rather go off and be alone in their... You know, playing out this scripted labyrinth book she's got, you know, where she's dressing mm. up and she's like role playing by herself out in the, you know, out in the, out in the backyard with her dog or something. And she's just throwing a massive, massive hissy fit. Yeah. And she's got this stepmother, you know, who says she treats me like an evil stepmom in a fantasy book, you know. Hmm. Um, so she is this imperfect character that has to go through this uh, journey. Mm-hmm. And, um, I really appreciated that about it this time. I never picked up on that at all. And I mean, I've never really, I've never returned to the movie for so long. Mm -hmm. So it was kind of like coming at it with fresh eyes. Um, But it was really great. Yeah. Like she wasn't a blank slate at all. She came in flawed with this thing. But it wasn't just her um, learning, you know, the film, a lot of people love that film. It's beloved. Oh, yeah. Um, And it's not just her like learning to. Shake off those sort of more childish, you know, fantasy things, Mm -hmm. uh, and realize that her brother is something that you know she should take care of. It's sort of, it's that transition between being a teenager to an adult, and that that scary world. And Mm -hmm. it's got David Bowie being amazing as the Goblin goblin King. King, Yeah, Yeah, one thing, magic
1: dance, magic dance, dance, magic dance. Yeah, yeah, it it was really great,
0: and his role in it as well. Maybe I'll touch on that a bit later. But yeah, I, I just thought. Really impressed at it this time, yeah. Coming I, back to it, and but I didn't go back and do the dark crystal, which I probably should have tried to do so that we could have a proper chat about that one. Well. Oh,
1: no, that's fine. Like, I think, um, I'm kind of wishing I had, uh, obviously, so, so much time we had to prepare for these episodes and any so many movies we can watch. Uh, I have seen Labyrinth, um, many times over the years, but it's been also a long time mm. since the last time. Um, but it was always my favorite out of the two. Yeah, uh, but I just yeah I was a little disappointed by Dark Crystal this time around. I enjoyed it less, uh, primarily because of what I just said. Yeah, I just found the leads so boring. Um, but yeah, I think you. I think that's great. What everything you said, and I do remember finding Jennifer Connolly much more interesting, and also just having her too. Her performance was great.
0: Yeah, she was fourteen at the time. Yeah. And um, apparently she didn't even want to do acting that much. She wasn't sure what she was wanting oh, to be yeah. as, a, as a, you know, growing up as a sure. teenager.
1: Yeah, I mean 14.
0: And, but she's very good in it. Yeah. Um, and, you know, that, that film, I think it's easy to assume that it's targeted at, you know, young women or that's the main audience. Because it didn't do well critically. Oh, um, right. And I don't think it made a big stack of cash. I think Jim Henson actually got a little bit depressed and disappeared to France for a little while after Uh it came out because that was his, more of his like personal statement about, you know, these. He's lived his whole life like dealing in fantasy stuff as an adult, right? Yeah. With puppets and all that great stuff that the Henson, Jim Henson studios came up with. And then he's making this film about this young woman coming, you know, going through that transitional stage into being an adult. Um, And the film is sort of centered around not being selfish and not living in your own fantasy world and doing these things. Uh, The end of the film, though, does have that nice moment where all the characters, which I totally forgot about, um, you know, the the movie's wrapping up. She's got her little brother, Toby, back. Mm -hmm, And she's realized something about herself that, you know, she can carry forward and she starts putting... Things in her room that were so important previously, her stupid teddy teddy bear, Lancelot. She was so upset at the beginning of the film that the teddy bear was in the baby's crib. Now she's like, you, baby, you can have the teddy bear, I don't need all this stuff. Yeah. Um, but at the end of the film, instead of the message being, give up all your childish things, all the creatures actually just pop back up in the very last moment and say, we'll be here... If you need us whenever you that's need us, that's right. And yeah. she's like, "Well, look, you know, I, I will need you in the future. Sometimes I'll just need you guys, and then they all have a great little moment." Yeah. And I was like, "Well, that's a beautiful message." Like Jim Henson's sort of feels like his more personal statement about. I
1: was going to say, it sounds like he's him, as yeah, a, as a person. So yeah, he took
0: it. I think he took it super hard when it didn't. Um, Wasn't received as well. Like Roger Ebert gave it two stars. Oh. He said he wished he had seen more human faces. And I was like, are you out of your mind? The puppetry is incredible. Oh, no. I'm happy
1: you brought that up too. Because that's the one thing I won't, um, you know, degrade uh, or put down about um, Dark Crystal is that the creature design is incredible. Yeah. Skeksis are still uh, scary, creepy. I remember those. Um, All the creature design is so good. When they finally transform into the... When they finally come back together at the end it's like yeah. whirly and weird and cool <laughs> um yeah and even jen itself like every all the creatures design that's really good but um yeah so and Labyrinth. i remember also that 100 percent being the case all the, goblins, amazing, all the goblins are so cool yeah
0: and, the goblins all the puppets are great um those she falls down a hole at one point and there are all these hands Mm-hmm. which apparently took, you know, X amount of actors, like 75 actors. Wow. And, and the hands are sort of coming together to form faces and doing like... I know audience listening to this, you, you can't see me making little hand faces <laughs> you to are, Jimmy no. right now, but um, super impressive. You know, that's like you said, the one thing you can't fault them on is yeah. how creative and imaginative and how much effort goes into these things. I mean, there's this big creature in Labyrinth called... Um, uh, Ludum, Ludum—I can't remember his name—but mm, uh, it's this big, scary-looking red-haired creature with horns, and the character Jennifer Connelly's character stumbles upon it, uh, tied up, getting attacked by goblins, mm-hmm. and she saves him. And just that creature's expressions—and it's you know—it's like a big, soft-hearted, lovable, yeah, you know, scary but not scary creature. He's actually quite scared at everything else, mm-hmm. and just his expressions are amazing. Just the eyebrow work, you know, the brows raising and oh it's so like I just wanted to hug him and have a little plushy you know, big that. Oh, it was amazing. Like and um I I guess these days it's you know cliche to say, of course, but um you don't get that as much now. I think one of the one of the movies recently that I said I really enjoyed it on was Dungeons and Dragons. Right, yeah. Because there were more physical things in front of the camera moving, like puppetry. yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, really loved Labyrinth.
1: Nice. I'm really happy to hear that. Um, uh, yeah, I've always like loved that movie. So I think there's a few others, especially when we bring in adventure that will make it uh, a few others that I think are more contenders for my favorite, but Labyrinth's up there, man. It's it's one of my favorite fantasy
0: movies, 80s fantasy movies. I was really impressed by it on this watch. You know, speaking of these films that we haven't seen for a long, long, long time, uh, one that I revisited was Legend. Oh, right. that's a it's a Ridley Scott movie. It's got mm-hmm. Tom Cruise. I think it's Tom Cruise's first film role. Yeah. But like talking about how Labyrinth and, you know, the, the creatures and the imagination and all of that stuff. Mm. Um, and there's like physical sets, physical things on the screen. Legend does that super well also. That was one thing that I was really impressed by. Like Ridley Scott does not play around when it comes to world building as we all know Mm -hmm. and he does that here like one of the big strengths of that film for me on the rewatch um was just how realized and full the world was like shots of snow falling and there's a Mm. dying unicorn and Mm. there's these little weird hobbit like creatures helping him and i was looking at it going man freeze frame this thing and Slap it on the cover <laughs> of a like Norwegian black metal album or something, it yeah, just, totally. Yep. It looked incredible, and especially the you know, as they're going in the dungeons, just how kind of like just felt like they were a little bit, you know, hot and sticky and yeah, and, and gross, but um. I don't know, did you did you rewatch Legend for this I, one as I well? did
1: and it's so funny, uh, almost a perfect segue actually because yeah. you just talked about labyrinth before this. So Alex uh, Thompson, who's a cinematographer, mm-hmm. who uh, hats off to him as Legend and labyrinth for both beautiful movies. Yeah, oh wow. And he shot Same both of them and he also shot uh, Excalibur. Oh really? Yeah. So well, Scalab
0: is another movie that looks very pretty. Exactly. But that's one of the main, you know, positives I say about it. And that's
1: exactly how I feel about Legend. Uh, oh, I okay. think, you know, it's beautiful to look out. Yeah, you absolutely know it in terms of the visuals and the world is so uh, rich. But that's about it for me. So I, mean, no, you, I couldn't take Tom Cruise seriously one bit. He reminds yeah. me of um, ben Stiller's simple Jack <laughs> character, that okay. stare and that squat walk he does is like oh, yeah. his facial expressions are like exactly the same. Yeah. I actually think that Ben Stiller had to have been inspired by Tom Cruise Ooh, in that movie. Like, you reckon? Pretty, simple Jack, I, it's that it's so similar. Watch it again with that in mind, and
0: yeah, trust me. Um, and what you were saying before about you know having the main character be a blank slate or.
1: Yeah, well, just in terms of just uh, more the hero's journey, it didn't really do anything, the story. It felt very just derivative and super thin. I mean, And, and, and like it just that, felt very like that kind of monomyth, a minimal yeah. monomyth kind of story without anything else
0: to it. There's not much, like in, in Labyrinth, there's subtext for yeah, the character exactly. and what they're going through. Yeah. And I think that's what a lot of these 80s movies completely miss out on. Mm-hmm. Agreed. when we talk about like how science fiction is a way to tell you know stories and you know humanist stories but with these other sort of big grand ideas and concepts mm-hmm. like the, a lot of those fantasy movies I did go back and I did try to watch like Beastmaster
1: oh wow yeah and
0: okay. you know uh, Ice and Fire and Sword and the sorcerer yeah and all that kind of thing um and they're you know they've got some fun stuff in them, but they are devoid of any of the sort of like, um subtext or Mm -hmm. you know allegories or anything like that that you know like labyrinth for example had yeah and i think it's just a real missed opportunity it you know i guess those movies the ones i just listed off are sort of made on the cheap and they were just there to cash in on conan and you know the success of that but i think you know like what you're saying with legend it's they're giving you that hero's journey formula Hmm. they're not really doing much else with it it's it's beautiful to look at i mean it's interesting though like thinking back to star wars that really doesn't have any other subtext to it it's, it's purely just hero's journey you yeah know? like but when think- the matrix is doing hero's journey you've also got this sort of commenting on these you know like office life and you know mm. these these i mean matrix has like watching it these days it's got this whole other subtext about like transgenderism and all this sort of stuff going on mm-hmm. um nothing like that in star wars though there's yeah uh it's purely just hero's journey it's, it's weird though like i've got that critique on it and yet star wars is one of my favorite films of yeah exactly
1: know. it's i don't yeah
0: it's a good point it's a good point to steer it back to legend though um, yeah for me we didn't really give that much attention <laughs> <laughs> no but maybe we maybe you know maybe we sort of Summed it up quite well, though. Well, I was going to sum like up In two words.
1: I was going to sum up In two words. I'd say a beautiful nothing. Yeah. Okay. Because it just felt like it was gorgeous to look at, but there was just nothing there for me. Yeah. I really just was not. It's. Giving I, you I was not interested in the characters, Or the story, and
0: the main character was kind of in. Well, uh the that was me
1: though. That's my personal. The female
0: opinion. lead, you know, Ferris Bueller's girlfriend. I can't remember yes. her name. Yeah. But she was kind of annoying. It's like, don't don't touch the unicorn, right, lady. Right, wasn't she? Yeah. You we were told not to touch it. Yep. Just go up and touch it. Now look look what you did. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, then it's the movie just turns into got to rescue the the princess. Exactly. Essentially. Yeah. You know.
1: Yeah, I mean, look, I, I talk about movies that put you to sleep. That was a movie that put me
0: to sleep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: I didn't actually finish it though, and I, I couldn't. Yeah. I, okay. I
0: just. Uh, that's me with Excalibur. Can't yeah, me too. Actually, that's Just funny you say that. Time, yeah. and it's a movie
1: that I want to really enjoy, Excalibur. Yeah. Uh, um, I know some people really love it. It's, you talk about visuals. You, know, you said you were right. It's beautiful. Oh, it's extremely um, pretty. And it's got
0: some like spooky like horror moments in it right? as well. When, when all the knights are hanging. Oh, spoiler alert. When they're all hanging at the end of the film. And mm-hmm. that bad guy comes in with their weird, creepy gold armor and yeah. the horse. Like, ooh.
1: But also with Excalibur, it's... Um, just too too
0: melodramatic for me. I've got that problem as well. Yeah, when I'm watching these actors I'm, do this dialogue, to the Lord's heartstone of uh, right? the castle mold, I wield it. Blah blah. And I'm just like, come on, man. It's, yeah,
1: right. I know it's, it's, it's too a, silly. I know it's a style, and like that's a thing. You know, like yeah. it, it works as a stage play. You know, or it could yeah. work as. But for some, I don't know that movie just doesn't. It's not for me. I guess it's ah. just that's as simple as a, a simple answer is. It's not for me. Uh, I yeah. can't do the. Uh, I can't do that over-the-top melodramatic performance. It feels a bit
0: corny. It
1: just does, doesn't it? Yeah. I
0: think like these days, when I watch something like The Green Knight, that has a lot of that dialogue, mm. but it's it's done in a serious. Like they play it straight. Yeah. There's no sort of drama, dramatic over the top, you know, mm-hmm. um, declarations of this and that, all that sort of thing. But no, Excalibur does have like a may. It looks incredible. It does. You freeze frame it at certain moments. They Just those, those shots where like the suits of armor are so shiny mm-hmm. and they've got like just weird blue, purple lights reflecting on. And then, oh, it's beautiful. Um, but. It does put me to sleep and yeah, I haven't, so. haven't finished Excalibur yet, so I, I guess I can't really talk too much
1: more. <laughs> N- up no, the- me too, me too. I, it's so funny that we're both in the, exactly the same with that one.
0: Hey, one movie that we can talk about, and yeah. I know that we both enjoy this one, and we popped it on the list and I was like, oh yeah, that is fantasy. We can throw this in here, Yeah. Um, but it is Highlander.
1: Oh, nice. Yes. We, um, we mentioned
0: Highlander not long ago, didn't we? I, I feel didn't. like
1: we did, but <laughs> well, like we, we went and saw it at the
0: we did at, at
1: Yasta with uh, Christopher Lambert.
0: We did, it's pretty yes. Cool. And I mean, this movie is pure. It's just like pure fun. It doesn't take itself seriously at all. No, and
1: uh, it's a shame the second movie is such a dud. Like, oh, oh, the quickening, God. yeah, it's so bad. <laughs> yeah, because um, this movie is so good. I love it. Uh, he, we talked about gorgeous visuals. This also has gorgeous visuals. It's a beautiful scenery. of the oh, yeah. Highlands and yeah. Scotland Highlands. Christopher Lambert is great. Clancy Brown is great mm-hmm. uh, as the villain, and then Sean Connery as, as, as the other immortal, as is. the
0: Egyptian prince. Yes. Sean Connery, <laughs> I know. yeah, with so a Scottish silly. accent, yeah. yeah, but he's he's fantastic. It's you know, um, yeah, he's amazing. He's amazing, and, and it's a great yeah. concept. Like you know, Isn't can't yeah. die, yeah. and he doesn't even realize that he can't die. Mm-hmm. I think at the start of the film, he's in yeah, like the Scottish Highlands, and he's getting you know burial rights after dying in a battle or something. Yeah, and he's just comes back and the whole town is like dude you're a, you know you're a demon get the fuck out of here yeah that so that whole like setup is great and Isn't the film that... kind of spans so many different time frames and
1: yeah and then you get to new york and you know modern yeah.
0: era and yeah that's good too and amazing clancy brown with yeah. his he's he been decapitated maybe and then is sewn his head back on it or has yes. he just had his throat cut yeah I'm and then sure. sewed it up either way he is going all out mm-hmm. in that film and it is incredible. I love it when they're like sword fighting and they've got electric sparks. Yeah. You know, when the swords it's, clash. It's a great visual. Apparently those swords were very sharp and very heavy. And, you know, there's a lot worse things that could have happened apparently oh, on shit. set. just Okay. Due to them fucking around with real swords. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. But apparently they ran like wires up the, you know, um, they've got like a battery pack strapped mm-hmm. to them and then a wire running up the arm... Um, into the sword, they can push a button and s- to make the sparks whenever they clash oh, swords. That's how they did the sparks. Oh, amazing. Um, so playing with real electricity and real swords. And Holy like, shit. <laughs> yeah. Crazy movie though, that one. Yeah. Um, it's one of those movies from the 80s that I always tell people, like Roadhouse. I'm like, hey, don't mm-hmm. just assume it's a crappy, corny 80s film. It's actually an amazing rewatch still holds up. I agree. It's a lot of fun. Agreed.
1: And that's one of the ones I mentioned at the top of the show about possible contenders and that, you know, depending on what you grew up with and what you have a fondness for. Yeah. Um, this is one of those movies that I know I have friends of mine who are like, love this movie. Yeah. And I also love this movie. And so this is definitely, a, yeah, it was one of the ones that I was like, oh, I could it could be my favorite, you know, I love this movie. Maybe Fallen love with Lane Bear, like this, this and Raiden, of course, and Mortal Kombat, mm. um, between those two movies. Uh, and then I just started seeing all of his, yeah, like shitty B grade horror movies, like Fortress, like, Fortress, <laughs> exactly. Yes, so
0: yeah, also has an amazing soundtrack from Freddie Mercury. and Oh, it does too, of course. Yeah, it's a kind of magic man, oh, great, mm-hmm. same as Labyrinth. The Labyrinth soundtrack's not as good, uh, but you know. It's hard to top the um, the Highlander stuff. Oh, I mean, so you know, good.
1: we're talking Queen and
0: and um... who wants to live forever? <laughs> <laughs> well, exactly. So good, man. Um, lose my shit over that song. But uh, yeah, Highlander, amazing. I mean, look, amazing. there's so many of these films. We're really only picking, you know, our favourites that. You want to talk about?
1: Well, yeah. You mentioned obviously some of the duds before. We didn't, we don't need to go into Beastmaster and Crawl and
0: these <laughs> other ones, right? Do we? Some of them are a bit too. I mean, if we're. If, I mean, if they're interesting to talk about, we'll throw them out there. But I think there are other titles that, you know, are going to be uh, more deserving of that kind of podcast real estate when it comes to these things. Yeah.
1: Speaking of ones that I remember being good, it's been a long time, but Time Bandits.
0: Oh, the Terry Gilliam the one. The Terry
1: Gilliam one, yeah. yeah, yeah it's yeah. obviously the first of his trilogy of imagination, mm-hmm. being Brazil number two. Oh, uh, um, yeah. Brazil, obviously, I mean, I say obviously, but obviously for me, uh, as soon as you know me, is
0: my favorite of obviously his. Gilliams. It, yeah. Would Brazil count in that fantasy section as well i guess that was in our sci-fi one yeah we i'd did say that, more sci-fi but time yeah. on the
1: other hand is definitely more fantasy oh definitely um yeah. it's kind of um it's a very interesting movie just sort of like a series of vignettes mm-hmm. um obviously you got a lot of the monty python cast yeah you know, yeah. obviously the terry gilling connection but also you got a bunch of um uh, little people as well led by you know my favorite warwick davis
0: uh Wicket. Yeah. yep Willow himself
1: Willow himself I should say Yeah Maybe that's a good segue Into Willow
0: Yeah Is that all about Time Bandits you know, I mean I don't know I just thought, I just thought
1: We like we'd need to touch on it I don't even got a lot to say I remember it being good But not like amazing um, mm. Not like Brazil Which is just like An incredible movie From start to finish This yeah. didn't feel like It really quite um, Probably the nature Of it being more vignettes Didn't quite have a Fully fleshed out succinct Concise Vision Yeah That's the way I remember it Again long time ago but uh, that's the way I remember feeling about it was like, I had some one. cool ideas, but yeah. didn't quite, you know, good in parts, but maybe not the whole the I whole never thing. actually
0: saw Time Bandits at all. Right. Okay. I remember always being like lured in by its cover mm-hmm. with the ship and the cool like thing coming out of the sky. It was like, it looks really creative. and Absolutely. It's, it's yeah. one of those movies where I think in my head, it's probably a way better movie than what will play out in front of me when I sit down and watch it, but... You know, I will one day. I'll get there eventually. Yeah. It's on. The, it's been on the bucket list for. A yeah, long time. I
1: recommend it. You absolutely nailed it in terms of creative. It's a hundred percent very creative and visually interesting movie. Yeah. But I just yeah, some of its parts not so not the greatest. That's my yeah. re- recollection. Been a while, but um, still some highlight moments. Some cool stuff here and there, yeah, uh, and worth mentioning as a good a good eighties fantasy movie. Yeah, speaking of others, though, uh, we just might as well touch on Willow as well as another good fantasy eighties movie. Yeah, um, I never
0: really liked Willow. I, I kind of thought Willow was a bit similar to like that issue that you were having with Legend. I, sh- I think true. I kind of had that with Willow a little bit. It no movie actually just That's didn't a good point, stack right? up. You know, yeah, it was all concept and idea, but it, it like even as a kid. Uh, didn't grab me. Mm. you know. Mm-hmm. There was something about Legend when I was a kid that I just did rewatch Legend all the time um, for a little while. But yeah, Will, I, 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 I've got a vague memory of being a bit meh on that one.
1: No, no that's 100% actually is a little bit um, unoriginal in terms of it's yeah. just you know, basic kind of hero's quests and I'm, narrative.
0: I'm sensing like a, a theme with a lot of the fantasy movies that I enjoy. And like a connecting thread and it's that a lot of them use fantasy elements, but they're kind of based in the more modern age. Mm -hmm. Like I love Princess Bride and that starts out with young Fred Savage in bed, getting read a book by grandpa. You know, it's like the modern setting and then it bounces off into the fantasy land. Same as Labyrinth and Highlander has, you know, modern day... Um, parts of it as well. It's a really
1: good point. I and think also what you said before yeah. about it having a bit more narratively there and not just following that formula that, you know, as I've mentioned numerous times during this episode, that yeah. Hero's Quest formula, it as has some more extra elements like Labyrinth does.
0: Or even Never Ending Story. Never Ending Story, Yeah. That yes. starts with a kid getting bullied and chucked in a dumpster. Exactly. And Thank you so much for bringing that up. Like he reads a book and the first thing you get is like these amazing, huge rock creatures yeah. and... Characters and worlds, and it's like, um, yeah, I I, I don't know. I, I'm not, I haven't thought about it too deeply. I just noticed that's the connecting kind of thread. With I'll all leave these you man And Thank you
1: for bringing up Neverending Story because I think Neverending Story and Princess Bride both need to be almost in a similar breath brought up because they both have very kind of meta elements in a yeah. way, or they're both, you know, a story, someone reading a story, yeah. it's kind of like this, you know, it's a story <laughs> within a story yeah. kind of thing happening.
0: Oh, Neverending um, Story is like. The ultimate... I mean, I think I smoked too much weed and watched that right. in my mid-20s. Yeah. And by the time... What's that big white creature's name? Atreyu? Uh, Falcor. Falcor. Yeah. Why do I think Atreyu? Atreyu's the uh, horse. Ah. Oh. Yes. <laughs> Nerd. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. I'm the one that's saying I, I watched it too soon. Um, but it was I, really I, great. I,
1: I loved,
0: loved Never Any Stories there, there was like um, this weird, creepy, talking duck creature thing. Right. like yep. And like Ice Palace. That's the second one. one. Oh, that's the second one. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm getting my Neverending Stories
1: mixed Speaking of random trivia, actually, yeah. my one of my favourite teachers in uni, uh, and not just because of this fact, but yeah. she worked on Neverending Story, and she had one of Felcor's um like little because uh, Felkor's the big magic dragon. Yeah. And one of the scales, she had one of the scales. Oh, wow. From the, from the production, and they all she got brought it in The, the scales. Yeah. And showed us. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, she was awesome. Um, great teacher
0: i will have to like do re, redo the whole film one day what is it about like these 80s kids movies that are just like so got so much more imagination and stuff than yeah. modern day stuff like I, I can't speak to much of the more modern stuff um and because it's all physical sets and things like that mm-hmm. and, and puppets are just i don't know it seems like it's it's up its time of course but it's so much more unique now in retrospect, considering that in the 80s, we just got a ton of these sorts of things and we did. not much in the 90s, I guess, and no. further on. Um, I'm with you, man. I, I th- think with the death of Jim Henson, it probably wrapped up a lot of these, you know, big budget, a lot of attention to detail. Yeah, I'm not things. quite
1: sure what the, what really did it, but I feel like it was kind of like this perfect storm where you mm. had elements like your Jim Henson, you obviously you had your George Lucas. Um, you had yeah. 80s budgets were getting bigger. We had a whole lot of high concept films being promoted. You, you not, yeah. you also had your Steven Spielbergs of the world. You had all these other, of these creative people who were really in, not just encouraging, but like were just, uh, really harnessing visual effects and, oh, you know, yeah. that sort of style of storytelling. And then, as you said, they're all very tangible, physical effects, not just CGI or, digital effects yeah and so all this stuff made this perfect storm for just so many great fantasy sci-fi adventure all of these different types it was the of best decade shows.
0: to be making that stuff a hundred percent I think Jim Henson should take like a lot of the credit for him you know doing what he did like in that like he does it so well yeah he does uh, that's you know, and just the imagination and creativity behind those ideas. But we've already we've already done our piece on um, sort of, you know, Dark Crystal, Labyrinth, all that sort of thing. I, do, I did want to keep talking, though, about Princess Bride. Yeah, okay, yeah. Because I came to that movie, I saw it as a kid, and I didn't like it as much. But, of course, with a lot of these ones, you revisit it as an adult, and you're like, oh, got me. Mm. It did it on that second rewatch.
1: Yeah, see, interesting. Yeah, I talked at the top of the show about having a fondness and a, a love for things when you were a kid. Princess Bride was one of those ones that not, the same as you. I just didn't even watch it when I was good.
0: Okay. I don't know
1: why. For whatever reason, I just missed it and I didn't get to it until a couple of years ago. Yeah. And I like it. I think it's a good movie. I have a lot of fun with it, but I don't have that connection that a lot of people do. Like a lot of people yeah. love this movie and for good reason. I don't think it's a bad movie, but I don't have that nostalgia. I don't have that connection to mm-hmm.
0: it. Yeah. I, I love the way it's set up um, and like the backstory behind it. Is it William Golding, you know, the author? The, the the book is based on yeah. in quotation marks their book um, but he sold this idea as like you know when he was growing up there was this high school teacher that had um, or no hang on I'm, I'm goofing it up when he was growing up uh, his dad or you know his grandfather would read him this book I'm mm-hmm. getting a lot of these details wrong but the, the gist will be. The main, you know, bit of it. Um, but when he was growing up, somebody would read him this book uh, called The Princess Bride. It was a great big part of his childhood. And then what he realized later in life was that the person reading him this story was editing it to suit him and only giving him the best bits. Oh, so later in life, okay. William Golding would create Princess Bride, the abridged version, and, and write it as the way he remembered it. And then mm-hmm. release that book to the world, and that's what the film is based on. Of course, that story isn't true at all. There is no book of the Princess Bride. It's just a complete fictional backstory to this film. Yeah, but it suits it so perfectly because the film is about these, you know, storytelling and about these, you know, fantasy stories and how, you know, their place in our lives mm-hmm. and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love the whole, like we mentioned, the whole setup of it's Fred Savage being read this book and that. He doesn't, he's a, like not a willing participant for the first chunk of the book.
1: Oh, I know. Yuck. He doesn't want a love story. He doesn't want, gross. Is right? this a kissing
0: book? Yeah, uh, exactly. Get to the good stuff and then he gets more and more invested. Yeah, just like us as the audience. Yeah. And and that's, you know, like uh, similar to Labyrinth actually. In The Princess Bride, there's that great scene where, uh, or it's not a great scene. I'll take that back. But it's, it's the bit where young Fred Savage is like, uh, well, you know, he's, you can't just die. Like, that's not fair. You can't mm. just kill the the man in black. Yeah. He's like, what, life is fair. Where does it say, where's the rule that says life has to be fair? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's exactly what Labyrinth does too. Like, David Bowie says, you know, what's your basis of comparison for what's fair and what isn't? Because mm. young Jennifer Connelly is like, you know, that's not fair. Everything's not fair. The world is not fair on me. Which is, a, you know... A nice little connection between those two movies. I like that, man. Yeah, Princess Bride's great though. It does have like the best sword fight on camera, oh, or yeah, on okay. screen. Yeah, the um Carrie Ker- Elway's. How do I say? His yeah, yeah, yeah. I know who you're talking about, Robin Hood. Yeah, he <laughs> he actually had a broken toe for that whole fight.
1: Really? Yeah, he
0: broke his toe in like a. Um, a quad bike accident or something oh, right. and he didn't want to tell Rob Reiner because he was worried that it would delay the shoot and, mm-hmm. and whatnot and they found out later but yeah he shot a lot of that with wow. a broken toe oh, my God. and I just love the whole like the, the people choreographing that fight actually learnt these sword fighting styles that the characters are throwing at each other oh you're quite familiar with this and that you know mm-hmm. um, and just the whole reveal that he's not left handed either he mm-hmm. switches hands yes. it's just so good Lots of great stuff about Princess Bride. Oh, that's a lot you of great know. stuff.
1: whole cast is great. I love the Billy Crystal surprise.
0: He has, like the, the medic, Jewish kind whatever. of, um, what is he? Like a, a goblin a, a wizard or something? He's healer. like a healer thing. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And he's a wife, not a witch, Carol Kane. Yeah, she's he's, great. She's
0: great as well. Even the bad guy, like the main villain. Yeah. Um, and, and his like henchman, the man with five fingers. He's great too. Yes. And, if, you know. You got to mention the um, whole showdown between Inigo Montoya, Mandy Patinkin, right, and his nemesis. You know, the man that killed his father. Yeah, you know, you got to mention that whole speech and build up to. You know, you killed my father. We're better die a bit. Yes, absolutely. And Mandy Patinkin, like he. In real life, his car, his father had died uh, previously. Uh, I think it was cancer, maybe. I'm not sure exactly, but he's really drawing on those emotions mm. when he's delivering that mono- you know, that speech in that moment. Yeah. Um. And it and it really gets you like it gets you fucking amped and you want to cry at the yeah, same time. You know? He was always my
1: favorite in that movie.
0: Yeah, he's awesome.
1: I say always. Like I've seen it lots of times. But, you know, I have seen it since then. I just didn't grow up with it, but I have yeah. enjoyed it a couple of years ago and I rewatched it literally this week. For, oh, yeah. How did you like it? Uh, it's still good. I still really like it. Um, the I, dred- lo- I the love, dredd- love
0: Pirate Rabbits. I, lo- I love that it's just like this basic, Um, you know, these two people just love each other you yeah, know, see, as you the, wish.
1: See, that's the only thing that doesn't work for me is yeah. I don't buy the love the story love. element. There's just not really much to their characters. It's There's just, not, there's it's not just, that
0: much to know, I guess. They just, yeah, that's they, just it. Know, yeah. That's just it.
1: But, you know. That's it's every funny time he said, as
0: you wish, what he really said was, I love you. Oh, <laughs> it's adorable,
1: uh, but nothing against the actors, they're great. It's just for yeah. me, I just don't, there's nothing really to it. There's I suppose no though, that the
0: film, it. the film isn't trying to give you any backstory of why those two would be in love, it's literally just that they are destined yeah, to be loved of course. So they don't even have control over it, really, you know, yeah. Um, which is part just you know playing into that whole complete okay. fantasy of you know, what the film's going for. and that's awesome.
1: Exactly. And that's fine. And that's, is something that I think maybe, maybe it's just also as you, as you're an adult, as you get older, you get a bit more like, you know, maybe judgmental. I don't know. You just, yeah. you know, I think you can get more swept away with these fantasy elements when you're younger. But when I was watching it, I was just kind of like, ah, oh, just didn't, their story didn't do much for me. Her yeah. character didn't really do much for me. I no, she was a very enough. nothing character. Yeah. But again, my very minor problems, from minor problems more minor qualms with the movie yeah i think uh it's still a really good time I had a really fun time with it. i love um andre the giant i also loved uh the grandpa peter felk yeah. colombo himself yeah uh, he's he was great doing the narration uh yeah there's a lot of, there's a lot to like in that movie yeah it's good it's a good time
0: the ending's really sweet as well when he asks him to come back and read him the story tomorrow yeah isn't it yeah yeah he said as you wish like no oh, man yeah it's, a real, love, it's good shit
1: yeah love you moment yeah, yeah, very, very uh, quotable for good reason. Yeah, it's funny. Um,
0: it is a comedy as well. Like, it's... oh,
1: it, it is, yeah, it's qu- quite funny moments in there. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, as someone who didn't grow up with it but then watched it only a few years ago, realizing how many quotes came from that movie, yeah, I was like, oh, is that where that's from?
0: there never start a land war in Asia, <laughs> <laughs> like, what, <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, there's heaps of great quotable bits. Have you ever considered piracy? Yeah. <laughs> you know, just
1: so much stuff. They're like, oh, is that what that's from? Yeah. Like, yeah.
0: So as a kid, I think I wouldn't have, I mean, I, I saw it younger. I didn't like it as much. So, yeah, I mean, as a kid, I'm glad I appreciated it more as an adult. It wouldn't have connected as a kid. I wouldn't have got it. It wouldn't yeah. have been m- enough action or it wouldn't have been enough, you know. Um, it's more of a satire of those silly you Know spoofing on those fantasy things, but then also doing it really well, exactly. You know, so it yep. gives you all of the stereotypes and all the um, you know, all the tropes, it's just you know, unashamedly giving it to you, and and in that, it's got it's sort of pardoned itself to just give you exactly what you want and doing it really well, yeah, exactly.
1: Which is why going back to what we were saying, I think it having those extra elements to it, mm. having that meta element to it, yeah, makes it a, a tier above. The Dark Crystals and Willows of the World to me. Yeah,
0: totally. Yeah. It's just got a bit more substance there Yeah. to get you into it. Hey, um, while we're on that, one, one movie that I'm cheating a little bit here, but one movie that I watched um, that I really wanted to bring up is from 1989. It's an Australian movie called Celia.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah.
0: And the cover of this film um, calls it like its subtitle, maybe overseas or something, is called Child of Terror. And the cover of this movie has this young girl holding a gun, you know, and she's going to, it's all about, you know, her fantasies have become a nightmare and she's going to fight them off. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say that is sort of uh, a complete like misdirection or terrible sell of the film because oh, no, it's no, not that okay. at all. Right. It's more of a straight um, like drama but I'm, I'm kind of cheating a bit here mm. because the young girl, uh, uh, straight away in the movie, her grandmother dies. She finds her grandmother's um, dead body in bed, you know, and you get the sense her and grandma are really close. It's set in like the 1950s Melbourne suburbs. Okay. So yep. communism is a big thing. Like the Red Scare is a mm. is a thread throughout the whole film. Mm-hmm. She becomes friends with the new neighbors that move in. Her dad is a bit strict. Finds out that you know the neighbors are actually communists with spreading some Russian propaganda, but they're actually lovely people. And Celia wants to hang out with the kids. And, oh, cool. Okay. Um, there's also a weird thread of you know the um, you know like the rabbit plague of the 1950s that Australia was facing, and the yeah. way they inter- integrate that into the story. But the main thing about the story is how uh, young Celia creates these fantasy worlds or fantastical elements and stories to, you know, escape kind of or, or to deal with the things that she's going through. Mm-hmm. Now, if I talk too much more about the movie, I'm going to be spoiling some heavy shit. And, yeah, please don't. And I think that if people are at all intrigued by it, um, please go watch it. Like, it's awesome. It deals with like, all that thing we were saying about, you know, movies not having enough substance or subtext to them. Mm-hmm. This movie is completely full of it. Like, it's about... It's also not just about how young people are using these fantasy worlds to deal with things. Mm-hmm. It's about, um, you know, it's about like women and how they sometimes are holding on to this information and how they deal with information that they hold. You know, the dad is flirting with this new neighbor and the, that neighbor is friends with, um, you know, the wife of this person that keeps like <laughs> very aggressively. Trying to um, come onto her. Jeez. Mm, and so she's got to hold on to that information. Yeah. And Celia, you know, how she deals with the information she's holding on to is, you know, the bulk of the film. Mm-hmm. But there are all these other little characters. Celia's mom, Celia's best friend, you know. And you get a glimpse of how each of them deal with the weight of, you know, the world around them, you know, as well. It's really, it was a really amazing movie. Um, and it blew me away. Like I said, it wasn't what I was. I wasn't. It wasn't. It was like uh, false advertising, you know, from what the cover promised you to what you got. But mm. oh man! But you liked what you got. I obviously. liked what I got. I, I was so much happier that it wasn't just um, cornball young girl with a gun kind of movie. She mm. does hold a gun at one point. Okay. But um, that's all I'll say. The movie is is absolutely excellent. You know, amazing. It, it okay, floored me really. I, I think more or less just at how I had not heard of the film before, mm-hmm. and then you know getting onto it. Um, and while while I'm on that, there's another Aussie movie called Frog Dreaming, starring Young Henry Thomas. He's Elliot from ET. Also oh, from the 80s. Right. I'm like, I, and I watched, yeah, Okay. And yeah. I watched that too. Uh, you know, in, for this like fantasy episode. Yeah. It's also called The Quest. Right. Nowhere near as good as Celia. Uh, it, but funnily enough, it also has on the cover young Henry Thomas holding a rifle and yet that's also, you what? know, false advertising. He does not hold a gun at any point in the film.
1: <laughs> what is going on? I know, it's <laughs>
0: it's super weird. Like the way they were selling these movies, it was worth a watch because it is like, you know, nice sort of Australiana, like uh, settings and mm. has like indigenous mythology as well. Oh, cool. At okay. parts, it was quite insensitive to, you know, indigenous culture and at other parts... The film was trying to be more Mm -hmm. sensitive to it, you know, um, which was nice. It was kind of upsetting at one moment and then it was like nice in another moment. The movie tried to redeem itself. It just just wasn't nearly as interesting as Celia was. Right.
1: Okay. Um, Thank you for bringing those up though because they're both uh, both movies I'm not familiar with. So I appreciate it.
0: Oh, definitely. No, please, people out there, like um, check out Frog Dreaming if you want to or The Quest as it's known. But definitely if you're at all interested in... Like 80s cinema, or Australian cinema. Check yeah. out Celia. Celia, all right. Nice. I think when it came out, it got great reviews. Mm-hmm. Critically, it did really well, but it just bombed at the box office. Yeah. Um, so it came out. There was another big movie that came out similar time that just completely swallowed it whole. But that's why it's not in the sort of, um, or I guess that's why it wasn't in my awareness. You know, mm. or the, my sort of film knowledge at all, but.
1: No, but it's Ooh. great that you brought it up. Uh, not just for myself, but I think just because uh, you know it's good to touch on some of these lesser-known ones because we're obviously most of this episode is going to be dedicated to talking to talking sorry talking about the known quantities that are you know your big blockbuster fantasy
0: movies yeah. of the eighties.
1: So it's nice to have these. Uh, I want I especially especially Aussie ones, that, ones too. Yeah,
0: like uh, I want to throw in ones that I I discovered too. Um, not just the big the big ones. But we will, yeah. we've still got some big ones. I think we're we're almost at the point where we need to uh um pick our winners. But before we before we pick our winners, are okay. there any, any other contenders we need to throw in here?
1: Unless these are the ones that you're looking at that I think I'll just quickly mention, Beetlejuice mm-hmm, as we okay. brought up. Uh, mm-hmm. that's a heap of fun, you know, great little dinner sequence and just some wild yeah. out costumes and
0: back when Tim Burton made good movies and yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Uh, oh hey, does Edward Scissorhands? Is that the eighties or is that like nineteen nineties?
1: Yeah, I think it's nineteen
0: ninety or ninety one. I love that, like that movie, man. Yeah,
1: me too. That's such a good yeah. movie. And Beetlejuice did you have a did you have a connection fondness um, with Beetlejuice? Or you know was... what? I,
0: I saw Beetlejuice when I was young. I've seen it as an adult. Mm-hmm. I just I just didn't. I don't think it clicked with me in that way. Right. Not my movie, but can Totally appreciate, um, it's other people's jam, yeah, yeah.
1: I'm um, very similar, yeah. Great cast, you know. Michael Keaton, obviously, fantastic, when I'm a writer, he was yeah. good stuff, but um, yeah, I'm 100% the same. It's, it, I appreciate it, but I don't have that, yeah, connection to it. I was more, and it was just a hands or you know, more than early 90s, Um uh, yeah. Tim Burton mm-hmm. were my my jam, not, more about not that man uh, as well. The OG oh, Batman. Oh yeah, B- OG Batman, Nightmare Before Christmas. Oh uh, yeah. I love that yeah. movie. So they're the ones that I'm they were my my movies. I watched
0: Beetlejuice for Gina Davis.
1: Yeah, fair. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: But um also you you threw big trouble in Little China. On our doc, uh, on our dossier, and now I love that movie as well.
1: I love that one. Yeah, see, I thought this was going to be your number one, so it's interesting to hear that you're it now. Got my um,
0: Blu-ray over there, my Big Trouble Arrow. Yeah, but yeah, Big Trouble
1: yeah. Little China, man. It is, it's great. Uh, I think lots and lots of praise has to go out to Kurt Russell in that mm. movie. I think he's the one that makes that movie for me.
0: Doing his John Wayne impression. Yeah,
1: but he just like he does this great, like he's this great little surrogate for us, the audience is this entryway into this wild out there world. Yeah. If, it, if it's not for him, I think you can get a bit lost in a bit like, I don't know. Like he adds, not only does he add a great comic flavor to it, he's a really funny in that in that role. He is great. But he also just sort of eases you into the weirdness yeah. that that movie is. And I think without him, that movie wouldn't really wouldn't work. Uh, I also love the whole idea of him, it being kind of like a, I don't know if it necessarily works but I like the idea that John Carpenter was going for with the, Mm. you think he's the, he thinks he's the hero, you think he's the hero, but actually the sidekick is. Like it's the flip.
0: That got lost on audiences and critics at the time it came out, but now in retrospect, people have, you know, evaluated it properly. Yeah,
1: but I don't know if it 100% works
0: though. Maybe it's... But it's still
1: deserves praise for at least trying and, and it does work at times. Like, you know, obviously in the main fight at the end...
0: He's I'll always getting just knocked out. Getting just knocked, just get, literally like gets knocked out. out. Yeah.
1: yeah uh,
0: but it's the main... Yeah, like his sidekick and I guess that's what the, like, the film is, is riffing on, like that you have to have this white male guy at the centre of these stories... Yeah. John Carpenter wants to make a story, you know, involving like these mythologies and whatnot in this different culture. Mm -hmm. And he's got to put this bloody, you know, white main character in there to lead us through it. So he just makes that main character a complete dit idiot. Um, who thinks yeah, like you said, who thinks he is the main hero? Mm-hmm. But his his friend is actually the one whose girlfriend is kidnapped and taken, yep. and who's actually the one that's capable. Hundred percent capable. <laughs> like, He's kicking you know, some fly
1: kicks left and right. Yeah. He's, oh my god. He's got so the big showdown dudes.
0: fight at the end with one of the main, you know, um, you know, one of the main bad guys that pops up. It's electricity guy or it's the wind guy yes. or some other dude. Um, He's got the main fight at the end, while John Carpenter. Oh, sorry, while Kurt Russell is stuck beneath this big heavy guy. He's you yeah. know, killed with his boot knife. Um, I do love that movie, though. Yeah. Me too. You know, too. I, I love just the the adventure. Like you, it, Chinatown just has this deep underground system of tunnels, mm-hmm. and like I love all the neon signs at the end and the final sequences. And yeah, I just love Kurt Russell, man. Yeah, me too. Yeah, like can't go wrong.
1: Hundred percent agreement. Heaps of fun. Yeah. I, I know I overuse that adjective in this um, podcast a lot, but it is actually. A lot of these of movies
0: are exactly that. Yeah. yeah. Tons of fun. And this movie especially. Yeah. Agreed. I love it when Kurt Russell is dressed up as like the nerdy kind of, I don't know if he's like a business guy or whatever, but he's, he's going into the brothel trying to find a green-eyed girl so that he can, you know, extract the... Where the woman he thinks has been kidnapped, there, mm-hmm. um, and just the dumb things he says. You don't take check, do you? You know, yeah, it's <laughs> goofy shit.
1: And then of course Kim Catrall, can't forget Kim Cattrall on that. Oh, she's awesome. Yeah,
0: I lo- yeah, she's great as I well. I would,
1: I didn't, I wasn't sold on her. I remember the first time I saw her at first, but um uh, yeah, more and more I've watched it. i I, I, I dig her. I oh, like yeah. her. She's just over the top. It suits the whole thing. At first, I remember being like, she was too over the top, you know.
0: She's she's the one giving the audience all the information they need in yeah. this big like oh this you mean the you mean the same uh, you know <laughs> le, like Cho I can't remember the, the bad guy's name um, the same one that did this and this and this and this it's like thank you for the exposition um, and how great is Egg Chen the like the wizard of the yes. whole thing yeah agreed. you know ah oh, yeah I could talk about that movie a lot more but. Um, we we're sort of steering towards the end on this I one I think here. we
1: are yeah unless there's any others I think no maybe... I'm good
0: I'm absolutely good to get there
1: <laughs> all right well I guess it comes to the time then for us to decide what we think our best 80s fantasy movie is okay okay um now I think well I'm going to I'm just going to put my argument forward I think it's Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade I know it's a bit controversial. I know a lot of people love Raiders and I can understand why. Mm -hmm. You know, some incredible uh, set pieces and fun performances and, you know, obviously the whole team up of Spielberg and Lucas and Kasdan and Williams and so on.
0: And you were saying earlier before we chatted like Raiders, you know, inspires all these other, you know, Indiana Jones' character inspires all these other films. That well, we yeah, you and, wouldn't get you know, Mummy. and so You forget, I guess, how, you know, the influence it has, yeah. Yeah,
1: so it's super important but I think Last Crusade is when they get the, uh, all the elements right. When yeah. I feel like they've perfected it. I feel like that's when, um you know, they've, come, they've done Temple of Doom, it's got a bit dark, they've kind of gone off the rails a little bit, they've got that fun and adventure back. Yeah with Last Crusade. But rather than just, you know, archetypes, now they're a bit more fully-fledged characters. Now we've got a bit of characterisation happening. You know, we've got yeah. a bit of backstory. we get a young River Phoenix, which is a great in- addition, coming in as young Indiana Jones. Yeah. we to learn, you know... Why he's afraid of snakes, you know, why he's got the hat. Where why he got I, his hat from. Yeah, all this car. stuff. Then
0: I, I love that when I was growing up as a kid, that opening sequence. Yeah. Um, I think it's so well done, just him, j- you know, jumping from train carriage to train carriage. And, like the rhino horn is coming through the, like the little wooden slats they're trying to get through to fight each other. Um, It's so great. I loved it so yeah, much. Yeah,
1: exactly. I think the set pieces in this one, I think it might even be better than yeah. Raiders. Uh, I loved the end sequence with the cup and the, all the challenges that the end. You have chosen poorly. Yes,
0: or he he chose poorly. Uh, that scared me when I was a kid. Yeah, me too. That yep. shot of his face just withering and aging and dying. Mm-hmm. And, oh, it's creepy. Um, you know what else is a little bit creepy that I thought was funny? Um, I guess more funny than creepy. But I never realized as a kid watching that film, because I saw it a lot. I'm with you. I, I think Last Crusade is the best one. Yeah. And I just don't like Raiders that much in general. Mm-hmm. But um, I never realized as a kid that they were referencing Sean Connery, Have his character had an affair with the same woman that Harrison Ford is having an affair with, like the secret Nazi in disguise. Yes. Yeah. And I hate arrogant men, that woman. Mm-hmm. Um, I never picked up on that as a kid. Me too.
1: I watched that this week again. Yeah. And that was literally the first time that I picked up on it. I can't yeah. believe I didn't pick up on that. It, I,
0: especially in the scene where Harrison Ford and Sean Connery are back to back tied in a chair. Yeah. And she's talking to Indiana Jones, Harrison, Harrison Ford. But Sean Connery thinks
1: yeah, she's, she's talking, talking to
0: him. But it's so great. Like, especially, you know, the part where they're on the blimp and... Um, indiana jones finally gets to tell his dad yeah uh, you know effectively like you weren't there dad you know like we never i didn't have a normal childhood Mm -hmm. and sean Connery's like you should be thanking me for that you know yeah he he doesn't do it um and then when he thinks indiana jones died when he fell off the cliff with the Mm -hmm. tank he's like you know i never got to tell him you know he has that moment yeah like i never got to but you know he's gone. He's just gone, and you can see him work through those right. feelings. And then Harrison Ford's standing right, you know, and Jones right behind <laughs> him, having yeah. climbed up the cliff. And then he goes right back to, "Oh, you're here. Let's go. Let's keep going." You know. Yeah. Um. But I love all those moments. Exactly. The other right. movies just have nothing that comes close and to that, those. And that's what I'm
1: talking about. Yeah, that characterization. And father like, they've son They've just added dynamic. so much more flavour to yeah. the characters there that just is not in the other movies. Yeah, yeah. You're absolutely right. And that's why for me, I'm the same. It's by far the best. And then you just talked about Sean Connery and as his father. Sean Connery, the dynamic between him and Harrison.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, they just work off each other so well. I was so happy to realize that they're good friends yeah. since the filming of this movie. They're still mates. To, oh, brilliant. You know, they've you know, been mates ever since. So I love that because you can feel it. You can just feel this the the, the chemistry. Bouncing, the chemistry. Thank yeah. you. Just the chemistry between the two of them. They're bouncing off each other so well. Yeah. So yeah. Absolutely. Uh, um, That's a oh, good
0: pick. I, I I
1: love that movie. Look,
0: I I would just argue for me. It's not the first thing when I think of as fantasy in the eighties. Yeah. But I will. I will give it to you. It is a far better film than any of the other titles we've mentioned.
1: It has fantasy elements. I think that's why it, has what it elements. counts. You know, obviously with the cup, the you know,
0: and the. You know, if I'm allowed uh, to all the... sneak in with Celia and include that one, then, then I'll, <laughs> okay. I'll... But I mean, I.
1: But yeah, make a good point. It is not straight fantasy. Not. It's, sure. it's not. It's not a Willow or a you know Dark Crystal or something. It's yes. Not so, so. much.
0: But I would have to hand it to Labyrinth for my pick. Okay. Um, and I know that it's very. Personal, um, personal preference, of course. Sure, yeah. I just really appreciated that movie, um, and what it was saying about sort of how we escape to these fantasies and how we use it mm-hmm. in, you know, in life, growing up, mm-hmm. that transition. And it's just got all these little details in it that I never picked up on. I mean, like I said, I haven't seen it for so long, but there's all these great little details that I think would go over your head, like. David Bowie plays the Goblin King, you know, and they've got this weird kind of tension, you know, sexual thing going on. Mm-hmm. And David Bowie's perfect casting because he's this, you know, androgynous rock star. He's sort of, he's sort of safely dressed, you know, he's got makeup and like these kind of elaborate clothing, but then from the waist down, he's got like, you know, this cod piece <laughs> he's rocking sure yep. and this rock star hair. So he's sort of androgynous enough to be dangerous and kind of safe at the same time, if that yeah. makes sense. No, it it's just perfect sense. casting.
1: He, he, absolutely. Yeah.
0: And, you know, he's telling her, like, just let me rule you, you mm-hmm. know, and I'll and I'll become your slave, or you can have all everything that you want. You wanted the baby to be gone, and I gave that to you. Mm-hmm. You know, he's offering this complete escapism. Mm-hmm. And she has to realize that the final line, she's trying to remember this line at the beginning of the film as part of her role play scripted thing. But she remembers it at the end of the movie, and that is that you have no power over me, you know. And like I guess that's her sort of her realization just that these things that she thought was, that she was so melodramatic about have no, you know, really don't have that much power over her. Life isn't fair, but she yeah. still gets she still gets to, you know, she has her friends there to help her. She's got the way well, she can determine how she goes about handling that. Yeah. I love that. I love that message about it. Um, and like one of those little details that i was alluding to that i went off track with sorry was that early on you know she's got this stepmother you see that she's got a photo of her mother who's a famous actress and she's having this affair with this other person and that is david bowie as well you see this photo of david bowie so the there's in the story there's this real person that her mother ran off with that she's having these weird feelings about it. she doesn't know how to deal with it yeah and that's that, that turns into the goblin king i mean that's just very surface level i haven't gone deep on what that means within the subtext of the film sure but people that love the movie know what i'm talking about mm-hmm. with all of that coming of age you know uh teenage girl type stuff it's yeah but it, all these little bits that i was just so happy to uh to get and especially that message at the end that i referenced how. It's not just about throwing away your childish things and growing up. No, it's Jim Henson, so he's got a more complex relationship with the fantasy elements of it, mm-hmm. and they're, they're there for her whenever she needs them. I just thought, that, like, that's so nice. It's it such, is such actually. a nice um, way to use fantasy. The same way that the Celia that film used fantasy to to make this bigger statement and observation about how we how, like its role in our life and how we use it and how we deal with things that uh, labyrinth is all about how she is learning to deal with things and mm. you know life's not fair i mean it was so great that's why it was my pick i'd argue for that but i know it's going to be a pretty tough slog going up against something like last crusade but you know what maybe we can just both have our picks on this one maybe let's, let's marinate i'm also bit longer.
1: i also you know understand that it's a bit of a on technicality also that maybe uh, Last Crusade could be excluded Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. uh, because it probably does fit more into the adventure genre than it does into the fantasy genre. Um, But you make a lot of good points. Also, you make a lot of good points about uh, Labyrinth. I think um, I love that subtext that you're talking about. And uh, um, it works really well on both uh, a kid and adult level well you that's know, I right think, I think uh, as a kid i loved it and then you know as yeah. an adult, i also loved it
0: so. like it's it's got all those great things that i mentioned that i loved and then on top of that you got the amazing puppetry and set designs and you know all, all the imagination yeah. that goes into it so that's my pick like i, I think we can just both have that one if, if we're talking general if indiana jones gets in there too sure last crusaders mm-hmm. if we're put setting that one aside i'm gonna argue for labyrinth but uh uh, that's my pick. What? What say you, Jim?
1: Oh, it's tough. I mean, I really, I
0: love, have I swayed you. <laughs>
1: uh, I mean, look, I, I, I only not in terms of. I mean, look, you've made me appreciate *Labyrinth* even more, um, and I've I have always loved that movie, so I'm not. It's not hard to be swayed okay. Uh, okay, <laughs> to towards, towards *Labyrinth*, but at the same time, I. Have such a love, connection, and fondness for Indiana Jones and The Last Crusade that uh, to me it's still a better movie. Um, Yeah. But. Uh, I would so I would only let it slide in on technicality in terms, oh, of, it right. being, in terms of being in terms of being in terms of being more of an adventure <laughs> movie than a, a fantasy movie. But if it counts as a fantasy, then it's Indiana Jones and in Last Crusade for me. The
0: movies are so different; like they are just so different in, in exactly. terms of their right. look. The that's audience, why I like, that's why I I put them in separate camps. Yeah, that's why I um, think so
1: hard too because oh yeah, it's tough. you know it's these all these movies reach you and. Deal with different themes, and they reach on different levels, and they yeah. talk about different things, and so it's always it can be hard to. Uh, and they're not all straight, you know, the same type yeah. of film. They're all very oh, different so and different. nuanced, and so on. So it's hard to pinpoint which ones. Narrow it down to which one's the best. It oh, can be quite hard.
0: Well, I guess it's not so much. It's just our pick. I suppose it's just our pick. Yeah, but, but, I'm, but I'm happy. I'm happy with that. Uh, that agreement with that technicality. So we'll do it.
1: like labyrinth best. <laughs> labyrinth best. Eighties uh, fantasy and. Uh, Indiana Jones last crusade best eighties adventure.
0: We're just going to throw them both it? up there. Just put them both up Look, there. We're just going to chuck them both up <laughs> okay. there, okay? <laughs> right, because they are so different. It's not like we're comparing labyrinth with dark crystal or anything. We've got two very different, different films up yes. there. Um So happy to include them both. And you know what? It's our box. We we can set the rules on this one. There doesn't have to be a, a single one. <laughs> yeah. we're, we're just chatting um, for the sake of getting having a good chat and picking out our um, our favourites. But yeah, that's that's about it. I reckon. Uh, I reckon we're all good, man. I think you. I think you're right, Jimmy. Where can they find us online? Yeah,
1: you can reach us on Instagram at Look Who's Podcasting, or you can hit us up on sorry, or you can reach Twitter? us sorry,
0: no, not Twitter anymore. X. We're not on no X, X, are we?
1: No. Or you can send us an email at lookwhospodcasting at gmail dot com.
0: Awesome. Thanks so much, everyone. We're going to be back next week. But yeah, thanks so much, everyone out there for listening. Hope you have a great day. Cheers.